everybody and welcome to another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. My name is Colby Drost. I'm the founder. Paragon Sports Consulting is a player advising firm helping players of the ages of 14 through 20 navigate their path to college hockey. Uh, today we got a great guest, Greg Duramus from New Jersey Titans, joins us in the North American Hockey League. Craig spent five years in the old CHA with the Metro Moose which was actually very competitive at the time. And, and I'll let him talk about some of the players that he had come through there at the time. A year at Bobcats and EHL for three years. And now he's been at the New Jersey Titans. This is his fifth year. And in that time, he said numerous kids commit. I think from what I've researched, it was at least over 65 college commitments, majority of those being to Division One programs, including conferences like the WCHA, Hockey East, Atlantic Hockey, ECAC, Big Ten, and NCHC. Uh, thanks for coming on, Craig. How's it going? Good, good. I appreciate you having me. And, uh, you know, anytime you get to talk hockey, it's a pleasant uh, day. And especially now with the times we're going through, um, makes it feel somewhat normal. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, you guys have been able to play and kind of keep things a little bit normal. Uh, obviously, rolling with the punches with this uh, COVID uh, pandemic. But are you guys, uh, does it seem like you guys in the second half will, will be able to play pretty consistently? Yeah. Yeah, we believe so. I mean, obviously, you got to obey um, whatever local and, and state regulations are put in, not only by us, but by our competitors and partners in the Eastern Division as well. Um, but we've been we've been really lucky and fortunate. We explained that to our guys as we had a little bit of an extended holiday break here. Like we had played, I think, the most games in the league at that point. Um, and again, a lot of the credit goes back to the players making the right decisions away from the ice and kind of doing what they have to do. And, and our ownership deserves a lot of credit because they've invested in a lot of tools and, and safety precautions to help the facility stay open and, and keep the players healthy. And um, again, it's been a group effort in terms of from the equipment managers to the uh, athletic trainers and the staff alike, everyone's kind of chipped in to make sure we're doing whatever we could do and remaining as safe as, as we possibly can. So yeah, we're uh, cautiously optimistic here. Um, we get started again this Saturday. We'll hit the ice and get a good week of practice in before we're scheduled to play Maryland in uh, early January. Nice. And then um, before we get into just kind of junior hockey landscape, Titans and North American League, you know, tell us about uh, just to give people a little bit of background on yourself, your coaching background and how you kind of ended up with the Titans uh, present. Yeah, I mean, it started on, you know, I'm not I don't run around from it. I don't got the most glorious background in hockey in terms of I was a street hockey player from Queens, New York and um, different opportunities back then. than there is now even for the local players. But um, roller hockey was our avenue at that point. There wasn't many kids who played ice hockey in terms of a location. And quite frankly, financially, it just wasn't doable for a lot of kids in our area. Um, loved the game, student of the game, always played it, being a big fan of it from my, my parents down to, you know, my aunts and uncles and cousins and everyone was around it. So um, when I got done playing, I wanted to stay involved in the game, wanted to pursue it at some capacity and was lucky enough to work for the New York Rangers for a number of seasons, both while I was in college and, and after graduating and, um, coached the Metro Moose Junior Hockey Club during that time and, and got to work with some really great people and, and lifelong friends and uh, both from players and staff alike. And that led me to uh, an opportunity with Long Island Gulls and New York Bobcats, which was another great avenue for us and, and just another step in terms of competitive levels and um, responsibility for me. It was great to be involved with a AAA program at the youth level at that point and get that experience. And um, that led me to getting the opportunity that I currently have with the New Jersey Titans. And again, just great people to work with on a day-to-day -day basis and a different level of infrastructure and professionalism. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, I've been very lucky. Like I've told everyone here, I'm consider myself very blessed and fortunate. I've turned uh, a hobby into a passion and into a career and I've gotten to work 
and gotten to know some really good people along the way. So hockey's been really good to me and my family. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you, you've kind of everywhere you've been to. I, I mean, at least from what I know, a lot of success too. A lot of guys moving on to college and stuff, uh, Division One, Division Three. Um, I think because you've been through all the different levels of junior hockey, like today, I mean, there's a million teams. I know, like down below in Tier Two. But I mean, what what is your take on where junior hockey has come from, where we're at? And I mean, I know we have the three tier system right now, Tier One, Two, and Three. You know, what's your opinion on what we're seeing? Well, I just think, you know, obviously it's great to see so many kids who want to play the sport. And I think at times that gets lost inside of it because you talk about whether it's player development, um, level of play and, you know, the destination as opposed to the process that goes into each of those respective levels. Um, I think it's great for our sport to have so many um, young athletes who want to play and continue to play the game. And, and never mind when you get into the whole junior hockey concept and how untraditional it is in terms of, continuing education from high school to college um, and the challenges that come with the junior hockey career and, and lifestyle. Um, you know, for me, having been at those tier three levels, like I can't sit here and say that those weren't some of the better days of my coaching career. And I met some of the better people that I'm associated with and proud to be associated with to this day, whether it's uh, current coaches who I work with, current coaches who I coach against. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, I think at the, the forefront of that is the players, and the people I got to coach and got to know and got to know their families and their stories uh, and stay in touch with them very much. So till this day, and um, still view those people as very important uh, figures in my life, both from a teaching standpoint, a loving, caring standpoint, they've been there through some dark days with me and some really great days. And, um, you know, I think for, for me, it's always the time that I've looked back on with a lot of fondness in terms of, you know, coming from the Metro Moose and, you know, Brooklyn, New York and, and, kids who had as non-traditional hockey backgrounds as you can imagine and seeing them become, uh, whether they're really successful on the ice or quite frankly, um, whether they're really successful off the ice, uh, seeing those stories unfold and being part of their lives now as they get married and have children of their own. And uh, obviously continuing that with the Bobcats and, and dealing with some really special people um, there in terms of, you know, players and staffs. And, you know, obviously now with the Titans, just, the athletes that we get to work with every day and be around is a special opportunity. So I think, you know, the junior hockey, I don't think it's perfect, but I think probably every sport has their different hiccups and wrinkles, um, different challenges and, and um, advantages alike. But I think I'm, I'm happy to see the game continue to grow and prosper. Obviously I wish it was a little bit more affordable because uh, coming from where I come from a blue collar family, like, you know, that's such a, a hurdle for so many families nowadays. And, and never mind talking about what everyone's going through with the COVID situation currently, but just in general, it's such a, a financial burden on families to see so many teams being able to provide that platform for kids. And listen, it's whether it's free at, at one of the tier two levels or, or pay to play at one of the tier three levels, I think it's great to see so many kids be that passionate about the, the sport and continue to play and um, where they go on. And like you said, whether they play Division One, Division Three, club hockey, um, just the fact that they're using the sport as a vehicle to become better people, I think, is amazing and uh, a credit to a lot of the owners and coaches alike. Yeah, and you talk about how it's like a part of uh, the ladder of development. Like, it's, it's an important level for some kids. I think, too, just having opportunity. But obviously, too, uh, talking about financial peace, it's expensive sport. Like, from 15 to 18, you know, crucial years in a lot of kids' development, and we have a million programs today. And, and, and you're gonna, you'll give a different perspective because you're recruiting kids from those levels. But you know, when kids are looking at midget programs, and now we have academies and we have the prep schools. You know, what what kind of advice would you give a, a parent and kid, you know, that are kind of sorting through all these programs and 
you know, what should be important to them? I know every kid's different and there's things that you can't talk to, but as far as hockey development, like what should, you know, what should they be asking about? What should they be looking for? You know, your ideas so they're better prepared to play at the tier two or tier one level. Yeah, I think, I think in general, um, you know, I would tell everyone that there's uh, different strokes for different folks. Like there shouldn't be, try to avoid blanket statements in terms of uh, leagues, teams, um, programs. I think each individual situation is different from a player standpoint, from a parent standpoint, from a where you want to go standpoint. Um, to the parents, a, a great message to them has been like, I just think um, the generation of players has changed, which is obviously probably a lot due in part to the parenting changing. Um, you know, you see all different types of parenting methods and how they raise their children. And I can't sit here and tell them that there's a perfect way to do X or Y. What I would just tell them is some of the stuff that I've experienced in dealing with these young men has been, um, you know, stay supportive of your child as they pursue their dreams. Um, you know, encourage them. Yes. Hold them accountable, push them. Um, don't give them everything and, and try to lay out the roadmap for them. But uh, what I'm really trying to get at is don't, don't be a weight on their shoulders. There's so many parents who put such pressure on the kids to make sure they score every game or get an assist or, um, you know, it's all about them wanting to get a division one scholarship, right? Like just support them. Cause sometimes they're not playing well and they just need to know that you care about them. Um, and sometimes they just need to know that you love watching them play as opposed to, you know, getting a car or getting the phone call or on the bus, telling them how disappointed you are in their game or that they didn't score on the breakaway that they didn't block a shot. Like they get enough of that from the coaching. And I just think support them. That's so important to keeping them hungry and passionate and engaged because, whether they say it or not, they really do admire and look up to their parents. And, and as I've gone through this, and even we do different presentations as a team every year. And one of the big things we do is just we have the kids talk about who inspires them and who's made a difference in their lives. And so many of them, they, they look right towards their current home, whether it's a mom or dad or a sibling. Um, they're so important to them. They, they really are, whether they know it or not. Uh, to the players, I would just tell them, like, you know, uh, what's good for your buddy isn't necessarily good or right for you. Um, every player has their own path. I think everyone has their own destiny. Some players are going to be division one players. Some players are going to be, you know, division three players and get great educations and change the world in other ways. Don't worry about comparing yourself to the Joneses all the time or keeping up with them. Uh, just do what's best for you and your individual growth and, and development and path and, and what you want to do. Uh, once you get to college uh, and after that, obviously, whether it's being a professional hockey player or being professional in any other walk of life, just worry about what you want and how you're going to get there and what's best served for you and your family to get there um, and realize that people grow and develop at different rates and people go different paths to different destinations. Uh, there's not a blanket statement. Nobody has a magic potion on how to get there. Uh, what I've really enjoyed about the sport, again, just from how I was raised is for the most part, you get out of the game what you put into it. Uh, you know, I, I always say I think the game sniffs out a lot of frauds and pretenders. Like if, if you want to work hard and do the extra stuff and, and go the extra mile and outwork the person next to you, usually you'll get a little bit more. And if, if you're a guy who doesn't want to do that or a girl who doesn't want to do that, you're probably not going to get as much out of the game as the person next to you that you're competing with and or against. So I, I don't think it's coincidence that the people who make it generally have a real passion for it and they love it. Yeah. I think they, there's a little bit of luck and some chance there, but there's also a lot of hard work and time and dedication that goes into it in terms of sleeping and eating and training and making the right decisions away from the rink and at the rink every day. And um, you know, I just think for players that the earlier they learn how important that stuff is, uh, is critical. And, you know, I think the thing that gets overlooked a lot 
for me, just dealing with the NCAA more so than the major junior route is how important the academic portion is to the players and the amount of doors they can open up for themselves once they get to that point of their career where the college is the next step. Um, you know, whether they're going to play Division three, do you have the opportunity to go play to a NESCAC program and get a great education? Or do you limit yourself to the amount of schools you could talk to because your academic uh, portfolio isn't as strong as maybe the guy next to you? Um, and same thing at Division one level. Why not open all those doors to yourself and, and your family? And I think it's 60 some odd programs right now. Why not have the ability to talk to all the schools rather than pigeoning yourself and limiting to only maybe 20 schools that you could get into academically? So I think all of that's important part of it. And uh, it's not waiting till you're 19 or 20 years old to figure that out. It's probably you know, making those decisions. I think, like you mentioned, the 15 to 18, um, and probably even a little bit earlier now at this point, it's a, it's a long process. So just be patient with it and enjoy it as you go. Yeah. Talking about making decisions based on development and having patience and, and really grinding, you know, cause you know, I mean, sure. Some of the best players you've had, they haven't committed to college. So they're, you know, spring of their 20 year old year, like you've climbed the coaching ranks, you've grinded, you've been patient, you know, it's paid off for you. You know, what, as far as, you know, advice on, you know, kids that they see their buddies come in, obviously remain, you know, focused on themselves. But, you know, what advice would you give the player about the importance of, you know, just being able to grind through the sport and persevere and, and the ups and downs? And sometimes it might take you until you're 20 years old to, to start getting some college attention. Yeah, I think I think as a society, unfortunately, there, it's not anyone's fault, but I think as a society, we've created that instant gratification amongst the players. Um, you know, if you just look at Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, everything's instantaneous in terms of what these people want to do. Um, even when you look at like an Amazon and an Amazon Prime, you could go shop right now. You don't have to wait. Um, you don't, you know, everything's so quick and so fast and everything the players do is based on instant gratification. And I just don't think that's realistic for the majority of players. Um, obviously, you're always going to get your blue chip guys who are in a different category. Um, but for the majority, which is what, by definition, is the most of the people, um, it is a longer process and it does take time. Um, your body's got to grow. Your body's got to develop. Your mind's got to grow. Your mind's got to develop. And then, like I said, you got to have some luck, too. You got to make sure that somebody sees you when you're at your peak performance. And that's why consistency is such an important part of that. Just so whether they come to see you once or 30 times, they, they see a consistent picture that generally they favor and, and like. Um you know, I think that's such an important part of it. And, and knowing that what the norm is, the norm is you're going to play till 19, 20 years old and then go to school. Um, and not like you said, not worrying about what the other person is. And if they committed at, you know, 16 or 17 years old or where they're going or what their scholarship offer is just, again, realize that you'll get there, um, you know, based on what you put in and, and what you put out. And you just got to make yourself you know, accountable to that and, and be able to look yourself in the mirror every day, knowing that you put an honest day's work in there and an effort in and that you're doing the things every day that are going to help you be successful. Um, again, not to reiterate, just sleeping, training, you know, who, who are you working with, who, who you're surrounding yourself with in terms of your circle of friends and, and, you know, people you trust in the game to help you get to that point. It, it's all critical importance. It's so different because hockey, the hockey path, at least from what I've been, I try not to be naive to the other sport, the hockey path is so much different than every other path. And, you know, they've been sure they have buddies who are playing football and buddies who are playing basketball and baseball and lacrosse. And they're just different sports. They're so different in terms of their path to the collegiate and professional ranks. Um, you know, the, the, the hockey guys have to make sure that the first part of it is, are you willing to take the time and make the steps necessary? And then you got 
you know, once you make that choice, then you go into more of those traditional types of development atmospheres and surroundings in terms of training and development and growth and all that jazz. Um, but it's, it's, it's so different. Like it's just, it's a different world and it takes way longer than, you know, a lot of your buddies, you may graduate high school with them and then they get out of college two to three years before you do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in everything you're saying, I mean, everyone says the same thing because it's just true, but there's also data, right. The college hockey stuff with college hockey ain't with 90 something percent. It's like now over 95 plus percent of players are going to play until they're 20 years old to get to college. And it's like going back to what you said earlier. And I say all the time is make decisions best for you and your development, because like I said, you get all this time. That's the beauty of hockey to get better and, and kind of push the ball forward towards towards a college commitment, hopefully division one. Uh, and I think pig, piggybacking off of that, I mean, you, you've had a lot of kids commit division one. I, I, I didn't break it down exactly of the 65 plus, maybe you know it off the top of your head, but it's been a tremendous amount of, of players. You know, obviously these guys have a lot of talent in recruiting and coaching, but you know, what do you think something that you and, and the Titans um, that maybe he's been able to assist these players. Is it your, your daily structure? What are you guys doing? That's a little different than maybe other programs that's giving these the edge in their development. Yeah, I think, I know it's going to sound cliche because it's probably a word that's overused by, by way too many people. Um, but there's not a lot of substance, but with this, I know it's something we talk about, uh, live, walk, breathe uh, is our culture. I, I just think we're not for everyone. And I know that, um, I'm not the easiest guy in the world to play for. We have certain expectations on how we're going to walk, how we're going to talk, how we're going to present ourselves, um, And that's long before you talk about anything to do with the on-ice performance and all that stuff. Um, you know, we're a culture-driven program, um, and, and the culture is driven by the players. The coaches, yes, we're part of it, and we want to set standards. But at the end of the day, if you have a culture that's driven by your coaches alone, you're never going to get there because then you're hoping that everybody else – thinks the same way and has the same values and beliefs uh, for us. What I've enjoyed is, is having our players um, set the standard. You know, I think you have a really good hockey team and you have a chance to win when you hear the players saying um, that's not how we do things here. Or, you know, that's just cause we do it here this way. Like they believe in it. Um, I think that word buy-in, it's such a tricky word. Like, yes, you want players to buy in, but you don't want like, it almost like you're forcing them then to do something they don't want to. You just have to have the players have a belief, an organizational belief and trust in what everyone's doing in terms. And that goes from the equipment manager to the trainer, to the sports psychologist, to the nutritionist, uh, who's doing the PT on the players, you know, all that, all that adds up to a winning recipe. And for us, I think that's been the biggest thing is, we, we have a certain culture. A lot of it is derived around a professional environment. You know, we tell the players, I think we're fortunate. Our ownership group invests so much into our player development and player experience. Um, but we expect from the players a professional return and investment on their end as well. You know, we want them to be at the rink early every day, want to be there, not have to be there. We want them to be there uh, early every day and do extra work, whether it's shooting extra pucks, getting on the ice, with our player development staff doing extra video work, doing extra lifting, making sure they're in the rehab and recovery facilities as much as possible. Uh, and that's, and the expectations from us are set early uh, through the recruiting and scouting process. Cause again, we're, there's some really talented people who we just know aren't going to fit our culture. Right. And then there's some people who aren't as talented, but we think they're going to be great fix fits for us in terms of what we want coming out of our dressing room, represent our organization, both on and off the ice every day. Um, and it's, you know, it, you got to find that blend and, and hopefully it leads to a winning recipe. But in terms of the individual players, I think that's why 
you know, when our players move on, I, are they all Americans? No, I wouldn't say everyone's an all American. They're not, they're not doing that stuff, but I think they're all part of winning environments and cultures moving forward. And, and you get a lot of compliments from the programs they go to about they're ready to play from an on ice standpoint in terms of their habits and their details and how we certain philosophies that we have in terms of player development and what we want a Titan to look like on the ice. Um, it's also off the ice, you know, they're prepared to manage their time and do their schoolwork and do their training and get to the rink early and do the extra work and be good teammates when they're playing well. And more importantly, when they're not playing well, or they're not playing a lot. Uh, I think it's all part of it and important because just because a player is a really successful Titan in terms of points and role on the team, he may go to a hockey's program and now be a fourth line guy. And he has to, we want to make sure that we're preparing him how to play a role on every team, regardless of where he stands on the depth chart as a freshman. And then hopefully that evolves as they get to, sophomore, junior, and senior year. Um, but we want to make sure we're trying to round them out in terms of who they are as a player and who they are as a person so that they could go to those programs. And, and as we say, you don't want to just have a stall in a jersey. Like you want to make an impact on the program. You want to make a positive impact on the student body when you're there. Um, and we've been really fortunate. We, we've coached a lot of good players. Um, but I think most importantly, also, we've coached a whole lot of really great people. And, and we've been lucky and blessed with that you know, both from their parents and how they raised those kids to the impact they made on our community on and off the ice when they've been in New Jersey. And obviously now, as you see them, you know, having some success on the ice, at the college level, and hopefully a lot more success when they're done with college, either in hockey or whatever walk of life they choose to do. Yeah, I think, I mean, you just answered, I think my next question, but you know, I'm getting it. No, no. I think getting onto the ice part, like, I mean, my next question is about character and how important, you know, you guys understanding the type of person you're, you're bringing in. But I mean, outside of, of you giving us a bunch of information about that just previous, just now, I mean, what does that process look like for you guys? I mean, obviously you guys are watching hundred games a year and trying to figure out who you're going to tender and draft, but I mean, um, are you guys putting in the same amount of work as far as like, what's this kid all about? You know, what kind of person is he, what, what is he, you know, what is he like outside of the rink? Um, is that just as important to you guys, obviously uh, to, to build that culture? Yeah, I think you try to it at every expense. I think anyone who tells you they always do it is probably lying because it's, it is hard, right? Like sure. we're not in the national hockey league. We don't have the same amount of resources that they do, but it is very important to us. Um, you know, you try to call youth hockey coaches, try to call anyone who has a connection or, or who's crossed path with the kid, because you may hear three great things. And then you may hear some things that raise some flags, um, I think we try to, to get as much information about the player and the person before making a decision strictly based on what we see on film or on the ice or, you know, on a, a stat sheet. Uh, I think a lot of the credit goes to our scouts and our director of scoutings. Um, we've had some really great people work for us in the past and, and they've cared about the program. They, they've embraced the identity of what we want as a New Jersey Titan. And, and they've done a lot of the legwork going into that process before it even gets, uh, to the coaching staff and, and, and to me, uh, they've done a really incredible job in terms of identifying those, those players and, and those people and saying, Hey, listen, we think this is a fit because of X, Y, Z. And again, I, I think everyone who's been in this business, you know, uh, I don't want to say at this level and high, you make mistakes. It doesn't always go as planned. Right. Um, you know, sometimes a kid who, you think is going to be a great a character and is going to be an excellent human being. It just doesn't work out well for whatever reason. Right. And then there's other kids who come in and maybe you've heard some stuff about them, but you say, Hey, I think, I think he's maturing. He's going to be better. You know, he's going to make better decisions here. He leaves your program, you know, two years later and you can't say enough good things about how he impacted the program and, and who he's become as a person and as a leader. Um, 
So I think it's not an exact science. I think we've all done enough homework to try to figure it out and, and, and not make mistakes and minimize those errors. But I think everyone's going to swing and miss at times. That's, that's the nature of the business. I don't think it's an exact science at the NHL level, never mind what we're trying to do here. You, you, you take some chances and you, you try to put as much educate education into the decision as possible, but you're going to swing and miss. And I think you got to recognize that as, as the GM, I got to recognize that. Um, I think, you know, I don't want our scouts to ever feel like, oh, my God, this didn't work out. The player didn't score. Or, oh, my God, the kid got in trouble at his billet house. That's a reflection on me. No, at the end of the day, um, everyone has the right intentions. They go into it thinking that they've identified a person and a player who can be a, a big part of the program in one way or another. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And, and I would tell my guys, for every guy maybe we make a mistake on or we don't get, there's probably another guy who we thought was going to come in here and be a really good third-line player for us and ends up playing in our top six for 100 games and gets a, you know, a full scholarship to go play hockey somewhere. So um, I think that's part of it, you know, not too high, not too low, Um, you know, create a standard of excellence that you're trying to achieve every day, but realize that some days you're going to overachieve and some days you're going to underachieve. And that's okay too. Uh, You got to be realistic in terms of your expectations. Yeah. And I think too, like touching on that, I mean, you guys have kids that want to, again, at the end of the day, the ones that have the success, whatever level that is in division one or three, they're all coming there, they're buying in and they're, they're using your program as a vessel for, uh, you know, their development and obviously hopefully a college opportunity. And you touched on the resources and you touched on culture. I think to kind of look at it from the outside and you're in giving people perspective, I mean, can you talk about just how hard it actually is? Like everyone knows, everyone says, oh, I want to play in the USHL, USHL, but at the tier two level, like the NHL is, is unbelievably competitive. It's an awesome league. It has hundreds of visual commitments every year. You know, can you talk about like how hard it is for a kid to even gain an opportunity at your level? And then never mind that, remaining in the league and through the, you know, the process of cutdowns and, you know, after the showcase in a normal year, just talk about how competitive it actually is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is super competitive. And I think that's it. You almost go through that with, with a lot of the players. I want to say this, regardless of where they're coming from, whether it's, a really good 16U player, a successful 18U player, a kid with some junior experience at, at one end or another, they get to the league and you almost see the wow factor after they go through their first regular season game or weekend or or after the Blaine showcase. Deer and headlights look like, wow, this is better than I, I ever imagined because, again, you talk about the social media generation, right? The USHL, it's a great league. There's so many kids who get drafted out of it and it gets a lot of attention, right? And everyone almost looks as, as the NA as like a fallback. Sure. And yes, it is tier two. So without a doubt, you know, inherently by its label, it's tier two, but it's really good and it's really honest. And um, I think with the kids, that's an initial part of it. They have to almost have that coming to Jesus feel look um, within themselves and, and realize how hard it is regardless of their skill, strength, size, because um, they're matched up against people on the other clubs who are just as good, just as big, just as driven and hungry as they are. Um, and that may be different. Usually it is different from when they're coming from. Um, it's just, it's more competitive. There's a lot more on the line. Like you said, you know, you have hundreds of kids saving their families. God knows how much money every year coming from the North American League. And I mean, just by playing in the league as a non-tuition based league, never mind now when you factor in the college scholarships that could be achieved by that. I mean, that's, as I would say, that's real money. That's, that's game changing money that you could save your folks by making a roster 
and then achieving, you know, a college scholarship or an opportunity at the next level. Um, and you got to realize first, you know, a lot of kids, they realize that they own that and they want to reward their parents for their hard work and, and what they've given them opportunity wise to play the game, you know, and, and then their own competitive nature as an athlete comes in, in terms of just measuring yourself against the, the person next to you or across from you. Um, but it is very, very, very difficult to break into the league. And then, like you said, to, to stay like, cause somebody always wants that job. There's always a, a guy who's hungry to get that same opportunity and he wants to commit to the school that's looking at you and he wants your job in the lineup. And it's internally within your own team, right? With us carrying in a typical year, we carry 23 players. So there's a couple guys, every game sitting in the stands and, and they want to get the ice time. They want the role. If it's in game, you got the guy who maybe doesn't play in the power play. He wants that opportunity. You got the guy who doesn't kill penalties. Somebody else wants that. Um, so I think that's what makes the players so successful, not only in hockey, but as they move on in life, right? Because they start that competitive right. nature, and that is life. You're, you're always competing. You're, you're always wanting more. You want to improve. You want to get better. Um, and for me, it's been great. Like, even as a coach, it's, it's one of the greatest things. Um, it has been awesome to know that we have to be good as coaches, as a staff day-to-day, and that's everyone. That's not just the assistant coaches. It's not just the head coach. It's the trainer's got to have a great week. The equipment manager has to be on point. Everyone who contributes to the success of an organization in terms of when they're measured, and what I mean by that is the the games, right, because that's the most obvious stat. Everyone has to be on point and rowing in the same direction if you're going to be successful, And, and it's been good. It's held me accountable as a coach. You know, I think everyone's been at one point in their career or another, whether it's coaching or playing, when, as they say, when you get off the bus, you know if you're going to win or lose. It's just by a matter of how many. I've never felt that way in the North American League. Every game's competitive. Anyone could literally beat anyone. And the coaches are so good on, on the other bench that they force you to, to not only maintain your level and competitive edge and knowledge, they, they make you want to be better. Because if you're not, they're going to be. They're going to be prepared. They're going to game plan. Um, they're going to have a structure and a thought process to combat what your team is trying to do. Um, and I think it's maybe a better coach, 100%. Um, and I think the same with our staff. It's, it's raised our level overall to the point where we have to be constantly improving and, and um, thinking ahead and, and you know challenging our players and preparing them. Because if you don't, you have no chance. You may have a great week of preparation in this league and still lose. Yeah. But if you don't have a great web preparation, you have no chance of winning. And I've really enjoyed that just from a professionalism standpoint. Like you want to talk about challenging yourself mentally and physically day to day to, to do a great job and be the best version of yourself. And that's as a coach, you know, the players, it's probably exaggerated even more, but even as a coach, whether it's managing my staff that day or making sure we have proper film review ready for a pre-scout or a review of a previous weekend, it's, it's been excellent. And it makes it fun. Like, I think every coach has a competitive nature in them. That's probably why they do it. I, you know, yes, you want to give back to the kids and all the other stuff, but um, it's also what we do professionally. It's how we provide for our families. And we are athletes. We want to compete. We want to be better than the other person. So it's been excellent. I've, I can't say enough good things about how competitive it is um, and how much seeing that and being part of it has made me a better person, a better you know, coach. And, and obviously, I, I just think it's been great to see that and witness it and experience it as a coach and now seeing it through the players as well. I think too, like you hitting on just how it raises the bars. So like the kids are going to get more out of their development because you guys are just on point. And then like if your son's playing in the league, now he's playing against, you know, obviously just to go out of your conference, like you've got Dan Walfong, Trevor Stewart, Langer and Aberdeen, like 
all these guys, like you're, you're playing against teams that are well-prepared, that their kids are getting better every month. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm not going to speak for colleges, but they, they think kids transition from your league to college very well. I mean, would you agree with something like that? Just how competitive and prepared each team and most programs are and, you know, trusting that these coaches and you are going to develop the players. Yeah. And I think, I think along those lines, what you speak about, I think like when I came into the league, obviously I think the year I came in, I think Trevor and, and Fairbanks had won it the year before. So right away, like, uh, I don't know if it's the right answer or the right thing to say, but I think you have to look towards the top and see what they're doing. If that's where you want to get to, like for me, it was about educating myself a little bit, like style of play. How do we want to play? What's successful? What works? What doesn't work? Like, you know, I started watching those games a lot. Now, like you said, now you look back and every year you monitor the standings and um, you spoke about some of the really consistently successful programs. Like even me as a coach, I have to stay with it and see what other teams are doing. And we've had a lot of success in Jersey, but, you know, again, we're just limited to what we're seeing more often in our own division before you get to the, the Robertson Cup playoffs and whatnot. Um, you know, that's been a, a great challenge for me. It's a good barometer just to see where you're at as opposed to another team. And is there something different they're doing with or, or away from the puck? And, and, you know, how is your team in response to that? Are, the, are they better? Are they more prepared? Are they not prepared? Um, and that's been that's been a great part of it. Um, and I think I think, to be honest with you, what I've seen, even internally, not that we've had too many new coaches in our own division or, or franchises, but I think the guys who have been there have even improved. And I've seen it. I've like, I think a lot of the programs have improved from where we were five years ago to where we are today, not only from a talent standpoint on ice, but I think a lot of that's credit to the owners investing more um, into their teams and their franchises and their staffs. And I've seen it with the coaching staffs. Like there's some really, really good coaching staffs in the league and, and in our division. And it's, it's been a pleasure to be associated with those guys and compete against them. And we compete like demons against each other. Um, but I think there's a lot of respect in how, how accountable we hold each other in terms of preparing our teams every day for battle over the course of a 60 game season. You know, that's, that's awesome insight. And, and you want to like how professional the league actually is. I think before we get into kind of like the junior hockey process and a little bit about you guys and your recruiting, I mean, one thing just to bring the full circle about the Titans and stuff. I mean, if you had, I know it depends on who you can recruit and you can't get every player you want, but if you had to describe it in a couple words, I mean, what is, what does New Jersey Titans hockey look like, you know, your style or how you, you know, prefer to play? Yeah, I think I, you know, we've, we've tried to adapt um, as much as we possibly can. And a lot of the adaptation that I take and try to translate has been obviously what they're looking for at the professional level. Um, and then obviously you say the trickle down to, to collegiate hockey and whatnot. So um, we want to play a puck possession, extremely offensive style of game. Um, but we want to play in your face. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think being physical is, is a big part of the game. I think intimidation is a part of the game. And, and, and I think a lot of it gets lost at times, but I don't think you want to do that to the point where you've lost the skill. I, I joke with our players all the time. If we could, I'd play without any defenseman. Um, I'm an offensive coach. I think you've seen that in the way we've played and, and how we've played and our style and even how we've recruited some of the athletes that we've had. Um, we want to have the puck on our stick. We want to make plays. We want to score goals. Um, I only want to defend so we can get the puck back and go score more goals. Um, and I think whether it's it, it adds up to wins or not, and I think that could be debated in terms of we haven't won the championship since I've been there. We've had some really great teams. Um, who have competed for it, but we haven't won it. So I don't sit here and pretend that to be the magic potion. 
Um, but I do think we've put a lot of kids in college. And I think, you know, colleges have noticed those players and what they could bring. But they're also good 200-foot players. They're responsible in their zone zone. Um, they know how to play away from the puck, both offensively and defensively. Um, they do have an element to their game that's going to be hard to play against, which I think is um, few and far between now. I really do. I don't think there's a lot of players who are hard to play against. Um, and I don't mean necessarily just fighting. It's finishing checks, blocking shots, winning lines, doing little things that are going to lead to uh, a winning environment. Um, and I think our players do that really, really well. Um, yeah, and even in college, like all that stuff you just said, I mean, if you want to find more opportunity in the lineup, like just be more, have more dimensions to your game. I mean, I, you know, like you guys are preparing for to play up and down the lineup. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, I think that's a big down. part of it. Yeah. I learned it, you know, that's something that when I was with the New York Rangers, um, we had drafted some really skilled players. Um, unfortunately, what ended up happening was they weren't skilled or good enough to play in our top six. And they had no elements to their game that lended towards any type of bottom six, bottom of the lineup roles. They were so limited. And that always stuck out to me. Um, I didn't, I wanted to make sure that my players didn't, ha weren't limited in terms of they could only do this or they could only do that. They may do some things really well and they may do other things not as well, but I want to make it where, like I said before, like a guy who played now top six and was a really good goal scorer could go play a third, fourth line role at college if need be um, and have some versatilities to his game. That way, as the coach was trying to figure out who was going to be in the lineup, he, this player, the Titan player had a lot of attributes in their game that was going to make him valuable and make him more likely to be in than out and not being limited to being, you know, just this or just that even positionally, like, you know, we've had kids who have played wing and center and, and played off hands and done stuff like that. And, and at times maybe it wasn't the best thing for our team, but for the player, it was going to be what provided them the right growth opportunity in terms of rounding out their portfolio as a player. Um, and we had to go through some growing pains because of it. But at the end of the day, like I'd rather lose the game and have our kids go division one than just win the game and have everybody come up short of what their hopes and dreams are in terms of college wise. Like, you know, I think you got to find the balance for sure. Cause, cause I'm competitive too. But I think for us, that's something we've been willing to experiment with to try to get every player to be the best version of themselves, not just pigeonhole them into X or Y role. Sure. No, I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I think, Going into that, you know, obviously you talked about a lot about what you guys can offer kids and, and trying to see them have success with their own development and within the team structure. I mean, a lot of kids today have choices when they're looking at organizations and leagues. And obviously when we're talking about NA, we're talking about something like BCHL, USHL, Alberta League. I'm not here to say one league, you know, the, the end-all, be-all. But, you know, what advice would you have for someone who is, is maybe for the first time is going through that process or maybe it's a junior experience kid who's looking to maybe – change leagues and, and maybe for yeah. more exposure. I mean, what kind of advice would you give that those kids? I think getting, getting as many, um, getting as much feedback as possible from different aspects of it. Um, don't just speak to your buddy, one buddy who played there because you don't want your opinion based on their experience alone. Um, speak to as many people who have played there, speak to as many guys who have committed to school from that program as didn't, um, you know, get to know, former players who, who were there get to know former players who played for that coach in a different spot. Um, I think if you could get to the team and get to skate with them and see the facility, that's, that's a great part of it. Cause I do, there's some really exciting special facilities across 
um, our country. And obviously with us, like I think the reason I bring it up is I think that's such an important part of what we do um, with the Titans is our facility and how special it is. But I think just to get as much education as you can on the program while you're making the decision and no dissimilar to I tell our players as they go through the college process, like make notes. Like I know it's old school, but take some notes. What are the positives of the program? What are the negatives? What are the question marks? Um, and then know what your goals are, right? Like if your goal is to play at X level, see what the coaches and programs tradition is in terms of getting people to that level or not to that level. What are the strengths and weaknesses of the program? Um, and know what you want in terms of your experience as a player, right? Like in New Jersey, we don't offer huge crowds. There's we're in the close to the center of the world. We're not far from New York city. Um, we don't get the biggest crowds in the world, but we have other things that we offer that other programs can't. I mean, there's just strengths and weaknesses to each coach and each program. Um, and I think get as many, as much education. I don't want to say opinions. That's, that's a wrong word. Get as much information and education as you can about the programs prior to deciding what's going to be. And, and again, just to kind of circle back where I started, just realize that your destination may be completely different than even your best friends. Um, and, and you have to do what's best for you and your career. And, and a blanket statement generally doesn't work at any level. Like you said before, like I'm in the North American League. I, of course, I'm going to say the North American League is the best league and that's the way you should go. But I think anyone who says like a blanket statement is probably wrong. Like there's so many different great opportunities. Um at our level of hockey and you spoke about all the different leagues that compete against each other, but they're so they're all great and special and unique in their own ways. Just find the fit that you think is going to be best for you and, and realize that if it's not, it's not the end of the world. Like there's options. It's, 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 there's hey, always yeah. be creative. Hey, I think what you're saying is like going through that process too, like it's going to make you feel that much better about your decision, right? Like even if you come full circle. So, Asking questions, meeting the coach, or at least getting on a phone call, numerous ones of them, it's, you know, asking those questions and whatever. It's a decision you're making. You're going to be moving away and living with a bill of family and things like that. You, right. you just know you're going to have a good experience so you can get the most out of it, right? So Correct. And, like, we tell the players all the time, like, as we identify them, scout them, recruit them, because they're all probably a little bit unique in their own process. The biggest thing I tell the players is, like, I'll give you our roster or and pass rosters and pick random people and just call them because as coaches, we're going to tell you everything great about the program, right? We're going to endorse it. We're going to, we're going to really hype it up. We're going to tell you about all the bells and whistles and the tricks of the trade. It's a recruiting job. We're going to give you the best pitch we possibly can call the players. You're going to ask them different questions than you are the coaches. They're going to be more honest with you and tell you the positives. They're going to tell you the negatives. Like I, I have had former players. I've had former player parents tell other recruits like, Craig, Craig's hard. Like it's not going to be all peaches and cream every day. Like it's going to be hard and it's going to be honest, but this are the benefits of it. And if you could, if, you know, if you could go through it and, and you're willing to be honest and hold yourself accountable and be mature about it, these are what it's going to be about. Um, and the same with our players, like they're going to tell you all the advantages of being in New Jersey and, and the perks of the rink and, and the program and the amount of people that have access to helping the player, but they're also going to tell them, yeah, in the winter, it's really cold. It's on the water. And, um, you know, the, the rink gets hot in the summer and it's freezing in the winter or whatever it may be. They're going to tell them about a billet situation that was really good or really bad. The players are, are going to be so honest with each other. And I think what we've always tried to realize and, and identify with it, our players are going to be our biggest recruiters. The better yeah. the experience is for them. And I'm not saying it's got to be nice. It's not going to be like everything doesn't have to be peaches and cream. 
right? But the better their experience is in terms of their growth and development and all the other jazz that goes with that, the better they're going to help us get more players in the future because they're going to spread the word. Again, social media, people they know back home. I think it's important and, and something we definitely not ignored as a staff that our players are going to be our biggest recruiters. And if they have a good experience on the ice, off the ice, if they gotten better, um, they're going to help us get those same level of players moving forward. And, and if it's not a good experience, then we're going to struggle. And, and that's on us. That's not on them. That's on us. What are we providing them? What, when they go home at the end of every day and, and when they go home for holiday break and at the end of the year, what message are they bringing back in terms of the New Jersey Titans experience as a whole? Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, and obviously piggybacking off of that, I think to bring this full circle is your guys' own recruiting. I mean, obviously everyone in the league knows that there's tenders and there's a draft, but anything obviously without giving away your secrets, maybe touch on how you guys approach that, you know, generally as far as, you know, who are you looking to tender? Is there specific, is it youth players? Is it waiting on junior guys? Is it, you know, is your draft different? Again, I know everyone has their own strategy. Anything you can tell us. I, I think for us, like, the immediate answer, I don't think we have a perfect solution. Um, I don't think anyone does. I think each team's had probably success and failures at different levels. Obviously, um, you know, we're in the process right now of trying to make it a little bit more analytically driven. Um, and our staff's doing a lot of uh, pretty cool stuff with that in, in terms of production and games played and where they end up and where they come from. Um, so we're in the process of building that. And I told them flat out, this is not going to be perfect. This is going to be a general statement. Um, we've had success with it because we've had really good people working with us in terms of our scouts and our director of scouting. Like I told you before, we've had a number of different people wear those hats and they've all been really successful and helpful to us. Um, you know, but for us, it's been, I think general statement, we've had success with guys who have been multi-year committed players to us um, because there is an adjustment. There is a growth process. Like I said, it's, it, we're not quote unquote easy to play for. It comes with a lot of expectations and demands. Um, and I think, the players have to mature. That's probably the most important. They have to mature first before they see that through and really understand what we're trying to provide them and get out of them. Um, you know, and I think in terms of the recruiting and identification processes, seeing the people who have some of that mental capacity in terms of processing the game, yes, on ice, but have the mental capacity to mature and be coached hard and held accountable um, and be corrected. Coachability is such a, uh, it's such an important word because I think it's vague. Like I, I feel like at times I'm the only one to ask, and I'll ask a lot of you, is he coachable? Is he, you know, or does he think he has it all figured out when you coach him? Does he roll his eyes when, when you're doing video, is he locked in or is he, you know, spacing out and what's the coachability of that person? Like how much more, I know what they are now, but how much more is there? How much more can I get out of that person? Um, you know, that's something that I've really tried to pinpoint. Um, I think as, as the guy who is the general manager and head coach, um, I have to give a lot of the credit to everyone else but me because a lot of the times I'm more focused on the now. Uh, where is our team at now um, in terms of our current roster? What do we need for the season now? Uh, we've really tried to entrust our scouts and the other personnel to kind of, I don't want to say control the future of our roster, but, but, take a big responsibility of it. And they've done a really, really good job. You know, and I think that sometimes gets oversighted because 
those guys don't get the interviews and they don't get the website and the Twitter and the social media um, acknowledgements and the trophies and all that. But they're super important to what you're doing because as coaches, we're limited, right? There's only so many hours a day. Um, obviously, if we're playing on Friday and Saturday night, typically, we don't have much time to go out there and see future players. Obviously, now technology has changed that. We, we have a great program. We use the Instat program, and that's, I think, definitely helped me as a coach get to, to scout and view and look at guys a lot more. Um, but you still can't be there, and I think there's a lot to be said to just be there. Uh, for me, it's important. I, I try to make sure I go in there and listen to the game. I want to hear it. I want to see the communication level of a player. And also, you want to be able to gauge the speed uh, of the game, and, and obviously – then you could really see is the skill skill level transferable to, to the level. Um, is he processing the game? What's his body language away from the puck? Stuff like that. And um, I think that's something for me as a coach, it's always been such a struggle because I want to do it more. I think it's important to do that, but there's not time for the head coach and or pending your staff size and what, how your organization runs. It's, it's hard for the, the coaches to get out there consistently during the season. We make every effort we can. It's just, you're limited in terms of the amount of weekends that are possible. And, and like, you know how it is, sure. you know, you're not going out there for a weekend or two and making a call on a guy. You want to make sure that you're doing the right amount of homework. Like we talked about earlier, not just the on ice and who they are as a player, but also some of the off ice homework. And um, you know, that's where I've tried to help those guys and get involved if they really like a player. Let's see who has relationships with the player. Let's see who has relationships with some of the players uh, influences throughout his life, whether it's coaches, advisors, uh, whoever it may be who has come across that player. And then maybe I could delve in and start poking around there um, and then collectively come up with a decision in terms of whether we think the player, you know, has a future as a Titan. And again, I just probably taking the foot off the gas a little bit, but I think, I think you have to realize that not everything is going to go perfect or not everything's going to go as planned. And, and that's part of it too. And something we've always pride ourselves on is like coaching. Like I think so many people get caught up in like, recruiting scouting but the end the end process through all of it is coaching you're getting x player and it's your responsibility to get that person to be the best version of themselves um it's something we've tried to really take pride in um in new jersey is is knowing that whatever x player is there's an element of coaching that sees that vision through in terms of when you identified that player scouted them recruited them um, you certainly weren't doing it because you wanted them just to be who they were. It's also about what you thought they could be um, with more, with more development, with more strength, with more speed, with more size, with more knowledge, with more patience and poise. Um, I think that coaching where it gets thrown out there a lot, um, but maybe not executed on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis. And for us, it's something I constantly remind myself of because you know how it is. You, a player doesn't play well one game. You're like, ah, man, I don't know. Like, and you yeah. got to take a step back and say, you know what? Part of that's on us. We got to coach him better. Do we have him, you know, do we correct his stick positioning or feet or, or his habit or his communication level? Do we give him all the tools he needs to be successful today? And, uh, and sometimes you have to be better as coaches, right? And that takes time. It's not an overnight process. It takes time. Um, and I've, you know, I got to take ownership. There's times where I get too impatient with it. And I got to be reminded by my staff to say, Hey, listen, there's, it's, this player is going to be okay. It's going to work out. Let's stick with him. Believe in him. Trust him. He's going to get there. Um, and then there's other times where it's just, like I said, you, you get to the point where you hit a wall with the player and his growth and, and you got to move on and part ways. But um, I just think that coaching part has to be part of that 
identifying, scouting, recruiting part because now they get to you. And now what do you do with that player? That's all. Yeah, I think that's a huge point you just made. It's like understanding the player where he's where like where is he coming from? What was that environment like? And obviously his potential, his pros, his cons, and all that stuff. You guys just doing the process the right way so you can get the most out of that prospect, right? And hopefully it works out more times than not. But no, I think that's it's all been great insight and awesome information. And I think anyone that listens to this is gonna be like that that's that was a great interview as far as understanding the Titans and North American Hockey League and I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this. And I think like everyone, I, I always just kind of give the last word to uh, the guests. So if there's anything you want to talk about with the Titans or advice, anything you want to throw out there, you know, go ahead. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll shut this thing down. Yeah, no, I, I mean, in terms of our program, I just think, I think what, what we have going on in New Jersey is special. I think it is unique. And I know every program can say that. Um, I think if you look at our facility and I've been fortunate enough to be at facilities of all different levels from minor hockey up to the highest of levels in the national hockey league. Um, I think our facility in terms of player development and what players need to be successful um, has come such a far way. And it's, it's funny as you know, we welcome back players who were there my first year as the Titans. Um, they come back to the facility now to train, whether it's in the summer and they're training, you know, throughout the summer, we've had many players come back there and spend the summers with us, or even if it's during a holiday break and they're passing through to see uh, us and the billets, everyone's amazed about the transformation and the growth of the building. Um, I think, you know, what we offer is unique in that we have a, a rehab and recovery room with whatever 30, 40 Normatex. Um, we have PT on scene and, and on site, I mean, and, and that's cryotherapy, stim, whatever you need in terms of your, your prevention and recovery from injuries. Our strength and conditioning program is through the roof. These, these guys are amazing at what they do and they have such passion for our, for our players and dedication to them. Um, to our dressing room, I mean, it's it's as quality as it gets in terms of player lounge and TVs and dry rooms. And um, the dressing room is massive and expansive and, and our equipment manager treats our guys like pros. I just, I'm so proud to be part of our program and, and the people we're associated with and the people who represent our brand and who and what we are and what we stand for in terms of people. Um, you know, and the consistency and professionalism that gets associated with that. Uh, you know, it's been it's been cool to be part of it because I'm, I'm there every day, but I've seen so much of it. I don't want to say change because I grow and improve and get better. Um, and I do think it is special. I don't think it's like everyone else. And I've heard that, you know, I've taken that feedback from players. I think that's an important part of it is it's a customer service industry almost, right? Like maybe sure. – a lot of people probably say at the NA level, it's not. They're not paying to play tuition. Yeah, but you know what? They're coming and they're a draw and people pay to see them play. Um, so I think an important part of that is getting that honest feedback from the players and, and asking them, what can we do better? What do we need to do better? What was your favorite part here? And I think our owners have done a good job of taking that information and processing it and putting into action and execution steps necessary to improve it. And I think you see it. Like, I know we put – more kids in college last year than we did in year one. We won more games last year than we did in year one. Um, and I don't think that's just by coincidence. I think it is the coach is getting better. I'm growing. I'm learning. The staff is growing, learning. Um, the equipment manager part of it has been enhanced. Um, the facility has been greatly enhanced. I think all of it has really come a far way. I mean, we have, we have three to four full-time assistant coaches. We have, goalie coaches who are full-time guys. Like I just seen so many, so much 
put into who and what we are as a program and as a franchise and organization um, that I do believe we are unique when we say that. I know, like, again, everyone could say that they're special and unique, um, but I've witnessed that I've been part of it and I see how much our kids love coming back to our program and being part of it and how proud they are to have been part of our program. Um, and that's regardless of where they were before or where they go after. Um, they're all so proud and they maintain those relationships because they have that unique bond together as a team. Um, but I think they look back on it fondly. Um, you know, we just had a couple of guys in the other day on their way back to school and they talked about just how special it was and how great it was and, um, you know, how appreciative they were of the opportunities and the stuff they got from the program from a billet experience to just how they were treated and how much they grew and developed as a person through better and worse. Um, so that's all. I, I just think it's, I'm proud of where we're going as a program. I think we've come far already, but I'm proud of where we are now and more excited about our future. And, you know, I've always said it, I think for us, we want to become the destination to play junior hockey. Um, and I know that's not easy because we have so many great uh, partners and competitors and not only our own division and own league, but like you said before, from across North America, there's so many great opportunities for kids. So I think for us, it's, it's continuing. Like I mentioned before, the standard of excellence that we have, but making sure that we're always raising that bar as well and always continuing and striving to be better than, than we were the day before and the year before and the team before. So um, I think that keeps you on your toes. It makes you better as a person, makes us better as coaches and players and, I've enjoyed being part of that experience. And, uh, you know, I just, again, I think, I think if people get out there and see what we are and what we're doing for our kids every day, and we try our best to, to make sure we get that message across, I would tell everyone, come check out New Jersey, see what it's about, see what the Titan experience is about. And I think everyone will walk away really um, impressed with what we offer from a, from a player development standpoint. And hopefully uh, we could be a destination for them on their way to college hockey. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I mean, I always enjoy watching your team play when I search around the view, but uh, like I said, thanks again for coming on, and I wish you the best of luck in the second half. All right, no, great. same to you again, and happy holidays and, and happy new year, and hopefully uh, get to see you in person soon at a, at a rink up and down the East Coast here. Thanks again for joining us. This has been another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. Feel free to follow us at, at Paragon Athlete on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and check out our website, paragonsportsconsulting.com. I uh, look forward to having everybody next week uh, listening in to another great guest. Be safe and uh, hope all is well.